Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to continue in our series. Um, here is called Perspective, Seeing Through the Eyes of Jesus. And uh, we're also, as Gary was saying there, um, we are doing this together um, as, as a community in the church. Um, numerous churches are got together, and we are doing this together, and we are uh, doing a series of messages similar, not all exactly the same, but similar. And we're talking about looking through the eyes of Jesus, trying to look at others through the eyes of Jesus, and what does things look like? How does Jesus look at things, and how does Jesus view things in life? And for all of us that are here, so um, as he said, prayer starts not at six, and then also, um, if you want to join us at any time, you ask your physician. I, I don't have, I'm, I used to do a lot of teaching on this, but I got tired of it because people want to ask way too many questions about it. And it defeats the whole purpose when it comes to fasting um, because people say, well, can I eat this bean or that bean? And I thought, this is ridiculous. This is silly. Um, so here's the thing. Just be led of the Holy Spirit. Just, just Jesus said fast and pray. He didn't say pick out your beans. He said fast and pray. Whatever the Lord leads you to give up, just do something for Jesus. It, it, there is something about getting up, get, letting go of something for a season to put your flesh under. That's all it is. And if you say, well, I don't agree with that, then you got a flesh problem right now. Um, there's, I assure you, there's some things you, can get, you need to let go of. Just ask your spouse, sit next to you if you could get rid of a couple of things. Not them, but like, um, you know, some, some issues or whatever. Anyway, so, um, so if you go to Romans 8, we're going to look at a couple of things here as we get into this message today. Today we're talking about seeing with their heart, or seeing their heart, if you will. When you're looking at other people, do you see their heart? And I want to say this, uh, so it, you, I feel like you have to constantly clarify everything you say today because everybody has a gotcha moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got you, just waiting for you to say something wrong. And so we have a whole generation of people now that we're coming up with this idea that they're afraid to say anything for fear of somebody's going to cancel them, gotcha. Well, I could care less. But for the sake of, I don't want people to misunderstand when I say let's see other people's heart, I do understand there are people that are completely deceptive. So don't be foolish. Don't believe everything you hear or see when people tell you. But I'm trying to see the good in people, right? You understand, right? So you know the difference, right? You get what I'm saying. So not everybody's got the right heart. But when we're talking about today from this standpoint, in this context, is let's look at their heart. Let's look at people's heart around you. And I was reading, watching this movie, uh, I got this book called Unbroken. It's this, uh, the story in the life of Louis Zamperini, I think is how you pronounce his name. But this movie called Unbroken came out a couple years ago. And it's a crazy story about this guy who was in the war and um, he, you know, their plane went down in the ocean, thought they were dead. They should have died. I can't remember how many days they were on the ocean, like 60 days or something like that, maybe a little bit less. But something like that. Uh, and look, if you think, well, that's, you know, it's hard to put in our thinking how difficult that would be. Um, you go three days without anything and just see how you do in Rome. And let's stick you on the ocean on a raft and see how you do then for over a month. It, it's impossible to survive in those conditions, but they did. One of them didn't make it, but the other two did. And then on top of that, um, so he survives that. And in the midst of all this, you'd think, well, he's rescued. Here comes a boat. They rescue him. You think, oh, I'm, I'm alive. But no, uh, it was the enemy that showed up and they captured him. He became a prisoner of war for many, many, many years. By the time he was finally uh, released, by the time he got out, um, you would think he would have been a broken man. But throughout his life, he found faith in Christ and came around and the guy that tortured him and beat him in the prison camp, he actually came around and he forgave him. But he also came around and tried to forgive him personally. The guy wouldn't meet with him. But he released the guy from what he did to him. And so hence the name of the movie or the book, Unbroken. And let me just say, this is not Marvel. This is not a superhero. This is real life, right? This is no, no uh, turning green, no, no jetpacks, nothing. This guy, he did what is almost impossible, and that is to release or forgive others who have hurt him. And because of his view of other people's heart, it seems like he got a real second chance at life. And I just wonder, I'll put this on the screen for you, I wonder what would happen if we gave others the second chance that we wanted. Like, you know, all of us want a second chance, right? I mean, if you were stranded on a raft 
you would be thinking a number of things like, oh man, God, if you just give me one more chance, you know, if you, if we've all prayed these kind of prayers, oh, if you just do this, the Lord, I will never do that again. If you'll just, we kind of make deals with God. We always want second chances. And I just wonder what would happen. I wonder how we would re- relate to people or react to people if we gave other people the second chance that we wanted. Now, again, I'm, I'm, I understand, listen, I'm not talking about individuals who take advantage of you and take advantage of your second chances. Okay, you know, give them a second chance, but if they burn you three and four, five, listen, don't be gullible and keep giving them second chances, right? But I'm talking about in, in real cases, and I'm a very forgiving person, just don't burn me over and over again. I mean, I'm not going to sit there. I'm not the kind of guy who, oh, it'll be okay. I, you got the wrong guy. I'm not. I'll forgive you if it's sincere and you mean it, but if you're using me, I'm just not that guy. I always grew up wondering this kind of thing. People that want to be friends and popularity and all this kind of weird stuff, you know, I'm telling my kids this kind of thing now. And I'm like, look, if they don't want to be your friend, it's their loss. That's the way I looked at it. I'm a fun guy. I mean, I'm sorry. I just literally, like, if it's that big a deal that you got to be snooty and tooty and all that kind of stuff, and you, you know, you got to fit in this little thing and you got to be just so-so, forget that mess. Like, that's too much work for me. If I can't just be your friend and be your friend, then I'm sorry. Your loss. That's the way I look at it. And you may think well, that's an inappropriate viewpoint. Well, I'm sorry. I got a lot more peace. I can't stand trying to chase things to be what other people want you to be. It's exhausting. And especially in Christianity. So, but I wonder that what would happen if we give other people the second chance that we wanted. So in Romans 8, this is what Paul said. I'm, I'm going to read this from the message. Um, it's a paraphrase. It's not a translation. Paraphrase. But I, I, because of the way it words, I, I just thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, so he says, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love? Uh, there is no way. This is Romans 8.35. He says, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins or anything they posted about you on Instagram listed or anything else listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. But watch this. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. So I have a friend who years ago, um, it was one of the most. I, I, now listen, you know, I know a lot of you guys. We've been friends for a long time. So I, I, I know many of you, the different things you've been through. And it's all... All of us have had difficult things in life, okay? So when I say what I'm about to say, uh, it doesn't neglect what you've gone through. I just, from my perspective as a minister, what I've had to help people through. Um, I had a friend who, I was a kids pastor at the time. We had just been, I'm not a kids, I wasn't even kids, I was volunteering in kids church at the time. And um, the guy was here serving in church, great family, sweet people. And uh, his kid took a trip with some friends and this and that, and they had an accident. And their youngest was killed in an accident. And, like, I'm going to tell you something, like, as a minister, you can tell me all day long about, well, I didn't get this job or that promotion. That really doesn't. If that's your judge on the faithfulness of God, you got a long way to go. A job is not, there's many of them. But this right here, that it really shook me. It shook them too. I mean, it shook all of us as a church. I, I just really struggled with it. And, you know, we talked many times. He and I talked. We, you know, man, and I mean, like, I'm a struggling Christian. I can barely open my Bible. I'm trying to make sense of it, you know, trying to find the words to say. There's no words to say. I mean, let me just tell you something. If you ever get in this situation and, and you're trying to minister to somebody, don't try to give them Bible verses, preach at them, nothing. Just be there for them. Just hold them. That's the best thing you can do. Because there's not one thing you're going to teach them at that moment that's going to make sense. They, they, someone that precious them is gone. And your morning of preaching is going to help it. But comfort and consolation and love and being there will ease the, it'll ease the burden. It won't take it away all the way. Only Jesus can do that over, uh, you know, healing in time. I remember getting this conversation and he and I were talking and I said, man, I just, um, I said, brother, I just, uh, you know, don't, I really don't, you know, know what else to say. And we was getting ready to go to college, and we were just talking a little bit. He told me this, this is what he said. He said, man, Jody, he said, I've come to realization of one thing, and one thing that I hold, hold dear and true, and that's this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
He said, that's all I got right now. And you might think, well, that's not very good theology, but I'm going to tell you, that's really good theology. Because when you struggle, as Paul did, and other people, and you deal with things in life, man, can you imagine this guy and what he went through in Unbroken, the, the Louis Zamperini? It's hard to imagine. And then you want to go and forgive the guy that caused all your pain and grief? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Because when you can't figure out everything else, you've got to have something that you can hold on to. And so, when I talk about giving people second chances, imagine this. What if they've been through some very difficult things in their life, and all they need is someone just to give them another chance? So there's a couple of thoughts I have for you on this, okay? What if you could do this? Could you believe in them just a little bit? You know what, you know what most people really strive and want in life? is just someone to have some faith in them. Amen. Like, just to believe in them just a little bit. You know, it's funny, uh, my father-in-law is a coach, and, you know, he, you, you can hear him talk about this, and Coach Zach over here is saying, well, any of you guys that's coach, you, you can see this. You can have athletes that are really gifted, talented specimen. Like, you think they're going to be the best. And then you have others that come on that aren't near as big, they don't have the talent or the ability, but because they're willing to put in the hard work, and because coach believes in them, they're able to do more than the guy over here who has a better genetic disposition. Why? Because coach, it's funny, some people just need a little bit of belief and they will do 10 times more for you than those who are just on their own if you just believe in just a little bit. And whether it's, you know, as a coach, maybe it's a teacher, as a parent for your kids, but in the same way, it only takes one to discredit you and one to put you down before you go into the tank. Is it not true? Some people, man, they just want you to believe in them. And it only takes one person to believe in you. So I'm going to read this to you. This is interesting in John 6. This is what the disciples uh, were saying and then others around. This is, but really it's Jesus' family, his brothers around him, okay? So listen to what John writes. In John chapter 6 and verse 69, okay, I'll put it, this is from the New Living Translation. Uh, and because of the way it reads, it, it, it's just easier reading. It says, we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. Like, if you have a hard time picking friends, just be cool about it. Because listen, Jesus didn't do such a great job at picking his friends either, okay? Let's just be honest. 11 out of 12 ain't bad, but he had that one rascal just, you know, if he could do a do-over, right? Yeah, I might have, should have picked somebody else. No, he knew what he was doing. But don't worry about it. If he, if he had a, a Judas around him, you'll probably get one too, right? So verse 71, though, he was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, who would later betray him. And watch this, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled around uh, Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. Well, I guess so. Right? I mean, you know, if somebody's plotting your death, you'd probably stay away from him too, wouldn't you? I mean, Jesus is human. If you don't know anything about Jesus, he's not just the son of God. This is Jesus, the son of man in operation too. Saying, you know, I'm just not ready yet. We're going to go in this town. And then he says this, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And watch this. Jesus' brothers said to him, you understand, the people over there are going to kill me. He knows it. You know it. They know it. Everybody knows it. But his brothers, just like if you grew up with brothers, stepbrothers, stepsisters, whatever, if you grew up with any of them, you know how it goes, right? My wife's the only child, and so... She sees our girls, they get in fights and, you know, disagreements, all that stuff. She's like, what is wrong with y'all? I was like, honey, this is normal. You just didn't do it. I mean, this is normal. She said, are you sure? Because this doesn't seem normal. I'm like, this is way better than what I do. Okay, I'm just telling you, we got in fights. This is normal. Anyway, so his brother said to him, well, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. I mean, you can't become famous if you hide like this, Jesus. I mean, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Why would they say that? For even his brothers did not believe in him. Like Jesus saying, I'm not going over there because then people want to kill me. I'm going to stay away. Well, Jesus, I mean, does it not sound like a brother? Like, a, like an older brother trying to do something, right? Does it not? If you had brothers and sisters, does it not sound like just a double dog dare you? Huh? I mean, you can make it. Look, we all jump across it all the time. You can make it. They know you're not going to make it. That's why they're saying that. They're trying to ag him on. I mean, if you're really who you think you are, go on back over there. They didn't even 
How would you like it if you're the son of God and your own family does not believe in you? And it's amazing how he kept his school even when his own family didn't believe in him. They saw healings. They saw miracles. They saw all of these different things. But listen, it's hard to believe in somebody that you know. It's hard to believe in someone that you know. Isn't it funny how you'll believe in more of a movie star. You'll believe in more of a political person. And what they promise you they're going to do. Though you do not know them. I mean promises, promises, promises. We gonna, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. And do they really? But yet we believe them. We, we hook, line, and singer. We're... They reeling us in the whole time. But yeah, you got somebody in your own house. Could be your own flesh and blood. Somebody that you love dearly or a friend who just needs you to believe in them just a little bit. But because you know them, it's almost like that Jesus mentality. Well, we know him. That's, that's Jesus. He's a carpenter. He builds chairs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's not a miracle worker. He just builds good chairs and good furniture now. He does good with that. But he's not a miracle worker. But when people believe in you, it brings great strength. And I'm just saying, the hardest person to believe in is those you know. It really is. But, but they need it. So I wonder what happened if you could just believe in them just a little bit. And Jesus knows what it's feel like. If you're here today and you don't feel like people believe in you, let me give you a couple of verses on this. Jesus knows what this is like. So Proverbs 12, listen to this. In verse 25, it says, anxiety or worry, two different things in our culture, but it could be the same word translated here, anxiety or worry. It means dwelling on something over and over again. But anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. It means it weighs your heart down. But a, watch this, a good word makes it glad. Gigi, hey man, I'm glad to see you today, boss. Good to see you, man. You doing good? You look good, brother. Good. It didn't take, look, he almost cracked a smile right there. But if I keep talking to him and say, man, you know what, man, I'm proud of you. What you do, feeding the homeless and everything, the ministries you got, man, you're spot on, man. You're the man, dude. Look at that right there. Gigi right there. That means, you know what that means? That's him saying, you're trying to embarrass me, man. I, I, I love you, man. Look at him. Crack the spot right there. That's a good word. If I come over here, Miss Elaine, I said, Miss Elaine, you know what? You're one of the sweetest people I know. You always smile, always encourage me. I don't remember one time you've ever been mean to me. You're always happy. Look at her just laughing. That took 20 seconds. But a good word will make a person glad. Even if they are consumed with worry. See, a lot of times we forget about this. We think, well, if somebody's worried, well, let's give them some counsel. Well, maybe that might help. It's, it's true. It does. And it's important. And it's needful. But man, somebody's got anxiety, man. We better give them some medicine. Maybe that's true. And it's important. And it's necessary. I'm not denying any of those things. If you need it, that's important. The, I mean, I tell people all the time, people ask me like, well, what do you think about that? Well, I have allergies, okay? So I use something called nasacort. And I'm glad and thank God they created that stuff. I need it. Especially when that stuff starts blooming around here. Man, I'm squirting nasal cord like crazy. <laughs> Man, I, I, I'm thankful for it. If you need something, take it. Don't be like one of these people like, no, I'm just trusting God. Well, trust God, but stop your nose from running. You know, like, help us out. <laughs> Sorry. You know, it's real. Uh, but look. If you are someone, if someone is filled with anxiety and worry, you know one of the best things you do for them? Give them a good word. I didn't say lie. Just give them a good word. If you know nothing good about them at all, then you must not know them. But just say, hey, I pray you have a great day today. Jesus loves you. Jesus will give them a good word. Give them a good word. Because a good word can make them glad. It can take over their anxiety. Watch this. The righteous person, they're a guide to their neighbor. It means your neighbor, if you see them distraught and upset and worried, man, don't go over there trying to thump them on the head with a Bible. Encourage them. Give them a good word. Man, how are you today? Well, I'm not doing so good. Really? Well, listen, you know what? You can handle this. You can make it. It looks difficult. Yes, it's going to be tough. But you know what? I tell you, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be right here. If you need me, do you see the difference? Versus you see them at the mailbox and they look at you and you look at them and you're like, Lord, they got it rough. I ain't talking to them today. They need some righteous people to encourage them, right? Give them a good word. It'll make them glad. But watch this. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. It means people who bring them down, people who build them up, causes them to go further and further astray. Good friends build you up. And watch this. There is a friend that sticks closer 
than a brother. And Jesus said to his disciples, this is Luke 12, Jesus said this, he said, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you're going to eat, not for your body as what you're going to wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. He's saying day-to-day living, there is more to life than just what you see right now. And Jesus tries to remind us the eternal, the things that really matter. Like you're not wasting your time while you're here today. I pray in Jesus' name that every one of you today brush shoulders with someone in here and someone gives you an encouraging word today. Do you realize that even in the Bible sense of prophetic words, the majority of which are prophetic are the simple words of encouragement? Prophetic. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't need a thus saith the Lord. All you got to do is look and say, hey, Misty, I see great things in your life. You know what? I think you're going to reach people for Jesus. That is prophetic. That is simple encouragement. Besides that, you know why I know that? Because with all them kids and you've held it together, plus with Jason, you know you got something from the Lord right there, you know? That's simple. But why can't we do that more? Why is it so hard? Because this world is nothing but a bunch of negative Nancys, and all they want to do is tear down, steal, destroy, and it's like crabs in a bucket. That's what I'm talking to my kids. It's like, if you try to step out, I dare you to get out of the bucket. You can't do that. What do you think you're doing? I don't know. I just thought I'd, you know, you applied for a different job, and what? You, You don't have the education for that. Why do people have to say that? I mean, many times it's because of insecurities, but let's just be honest. We just have a difficult time encouraging people. It's easier to be negative and, 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 and have this idea of defeat. Because, you know, if, if I don't make it, don't get it, then there's no... It's easier just to stay satisfied and status quo and don't try. Because then if I try, I look like a failure. Who cares? And who says it's failure anyway? Like, you know, if, you don't, if your kid doesn't make the team... If they miss the team, if they don't cut the team, do you tell them they're a failure or do you say, hey, it's all right. You work harder next time. If you really want to do it, you're going to have to put in the effort and work. But you know what? That's okay. There's something else you want to try. You don't tell them they're a failure. At least, I don't think you should. Probably going to help their self-esteem a whole lot. Just encourage them to try something again. And this is something that we, you see this stuff on all the athletic stuff a lot, but this is really not what it's for. But if in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It, it, it isn't really not an athletic verse. It has nothing to do with sports at all. It's, it's used a lot and there's nothing wrong with that. But he really talks about, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It means through my difficulties and things that I go through in life, the Lord is with me and he strengthens me. He encourages me. He builds me up and I can do all things. I can make it. But listen, sometimes people just need you to believe in them a little bit. Maybe they don't believe they can do all things through Christ. So why don't you just encourage them today and tell them that they can? You don't have to be a prophet. Just, tell, just meet somebody. Matter of fact, right now, why don't you look to the person next to you, beside you, across the aisle, and say, hey, listen, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. We'll put the scripture on the screen for you. There you go, in case you forget it. Look at me and tell them, you can do it, baby. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. All things through Christ who gives you strength. Now, they may have not had anybody tell them anything that they could do. What if all they heard all their life is you can't do it? Maybe they had somebody told them growing up all their life, you'll never be, you can't, you're a nobody, you're no good for nothing. The first time in their life could have been just right then that they heard they can do something. R- really? Now shake their, like, shake their mentality right there. Imagine if you could hear that more. What if you could just believe in people a little bit? What about this? This idea of second chances, let me ask you this question. Could you give a second chance to other people? Now, when I say second chance, I want you to think of this. You know, there are some characters I'm going to mention here in, in some stories, and I don't want to read in detail. I'm just going to reference them. The scriptures give you plenty of people who made really bad decisions. And Hebrews tells us this, that they're in the Bible for us as examples. So when you think like, man, I can't believe my teenager did this. Just understand, <laughs> you were a teenager once too. We, we should be honest with our kid. Tell them like, yeah, no, I made some. You know why I tell you not to go fast? It's because I made mistakes going fast. You know why I tell you to make sure that you know you don't drive too fast in the rain? Because I... You know, all this advice you give your kids, much of it is why? Because you went through it and you don't want them to repeat the same thing you did. 
But we don't tell them that. We just tell them, you don't do this, you don't do that. If you would start telling them why, well, let me tell you why, baby girl. Because your daddy, yeah, I drove so fast, I lost my license. What? You're a pastor. <laughs> yeah. I ain't always been a pastor, okay? I mean, you're talking about it'll humble you when you get in that room and you didn't just lose. I had so many points off mine. I got so many tickets. It was terrible. And this thing, I chaplain with the city police. This is, it's even more funny now. But I had so many tickets that I had so many points. I had a deficit below the minimum. Like, so what that meant was I had to go through the DUI school. Even though I wasn't <clears throat> DUI, I was whatever they're called. Uh, I forget the name for the speeding ticket. To get my tickets back up to the minimum. And I had to spend years <laughs> getting points back. That was just to get my ability to drive again. Like it was like you get one citation, you're gone, buddy. They're gone for years. It was that bad. And my kids go like, who are you? (laughs) You know why I tell them that? And I don't tell them everything. But I give them enough to let them know, listen, I'm not a perfect guy and I made plenty of mistakes. And honey, listen, let me tell you the worst part about losing your license, not just losing your license. That's a couple hundred bucks. You pay the fee and then another hundred, you know, upwards of a thousand by the time it's over probably. But... The hardest thing about it is because you pay for it for a while because it made my insurance go up too. And then I couldn't speed either. It was like really not (laughs) fun. It was just, you know, and at the time, and I had a Firebird too. So it was like, you know, what good is to have a Firebird if you can't go fast? It was really terrible. But I tell them that, and not just that, I give them other stuff. I tell them, man, listen, I made plenty of mistakes. But for the grace of an almighty God, your daddy does what he does. It is not because I'm good or because of this. It's because of Jesus, honey. And so we know when they make mistakes, do we discipline? Yeah. Do we face it? Yeah. Do we deal with it? Yeah, of course. I'm not going to just be like, well, no, it's okay. God loves you, and you're just fine and perfect. Oh, heck no. He loves you, but you're wrong. Just tell him straight. No, you're wrong, 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 wrong. Jesus loves you, and I love you, but I will love you while you get some discipline. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, but I love you no matter what. These people in the Bible that you see, they made tremendous mistakes. But there was great redemption because they turned. And I'm wondering if, you can give some people a second chance in your life. Because not everyone gets second chances. This is true. Not everyone. There are some decisions that are made that you don't get a second chance. You don't get a do-over. And I'm just wondering how cool would it be if you could give people. I didn't say you had to go have coffee with them. I didn't say you had to let them in your home. I didn't say you had to be their best buddy. I mean, sometimes it's just like Louis Zamperini forgiving the guy who beat him for years in a prison camp. Hey, I forgive you. No, I ain't going to let you beat me anymore with a stick, but I forgive you. Do y'all see the difference? Give them a second chance because you don't know what it might do for them. So we all know that God gave us all second chances. Um, but let me give you a couple of guys here. These are, I'll give you the references. We'll put them up quickly for you, okay? Peter was given a second chance. Peter is considered the apostle Now, now Paul is considered the apostle, but Peter is considered the apostle of the church. He's the one that really came alongside. Paul, he established and he he built and did things, but Peter's the one that really on the day of Pentecost, he established it. Peter denied Christ three times. And on one occasion, he actually used profanity to the little girl by the fire pit that he did not know the blankety-blank man. It's in your Bible. I'm not making it up. I mean, that's pretty bad, right? Well, you know, you're out, dude. Like, if you do that, Jesus has no use for you. But apparently Jesus loved him enough, said, you know what? Yeah, you made some really bad decisions, but I'm gonna, I want you to do something else for me. In Acts 2.41, you can read about him. When he preached, 3,000 people got saved because of his preaching. And he's running for the hills just, you know, a couple of verses before that. Second chances matter. I wonder if Jesus hadn't given him a second chance, what would Peter have done? How about this guy? There's a guy named Samson. Now, Samson, you could look at Samson and say a number of different things. Samson, one of these kind of guys, he was, 
He had instruction. He was given. He was warned, warned, warned not to do this, this, and this. He went against every one of the things. You know, stay away from the fruit of the vine. He's hanging out in the vineyard. You know, like Samson, right? Don't mess with these Philistine women. He's hanging out with all of them. They all looking pretty good over there, you know. I mean, he just, it didn't, whatever the Lord gave him to not do, he's like, I'm doing it to the 10th degree. And Samson may have been because of his talent, strength, whatever it was, but got a second chance as a prisoner. He asked him would they put him up in the, between two pillars of the temple. And at the end of his life, the scripture said he killed more of the enemies of God at the end of his life than all of his life put together on that day. Second chances matter. Now, you don't want God like Samson, I, you know, but just saying, if you've got to have a second chance, that's, there's probably some better ones, but nonetheless, hey, you know what? At least he got a second chance. And what do you think about Jonah? Jonah got a second chance too. Jonah, <clears throat> he looked out and he saw people that were evil. He saw people that he didn't like because they didn't like him. Now, this would, could take a whole message of preaching on, but I don't really want to get into that rabbit hole right now. But just think about it for a moment. Um, Jonah did not want to go to preach to people who he didn't like because those people didn't like him. Didn't look like him, didn't sound like him, didn't act like him, so therefore he didn't want to have anything to do with him. And watch this. This is crazy when you read the story of Jonah. He actually, one of the reasons he would not go is because he says, Lord, I know how you are. You forgive people, you give them second chances, and if I go preach to them, they will repent and you'll love them too. That's, That's pretty... That's pretty bad to not want to extend the very grace that you and I have been given because you don't like them because the way they look or because maybe they don't act like you or not from the same side of tracks as you. But that's what Jonah said. But a couple of days and nights in the well, he decided, you know, after doing that and sitting on an island, getting torched by the sun a little bit, finally he had enough and he did it. And when he went to go preach in Jonah 3, 6, you see this, the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying. He stepped down from his throne. He took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and he sat on a heap of ashes. That meant he repented. And if the king, as goes the king, goes the nation. When he repented, they all turned. And I'm just saying that because, man, if you've ever had a second chance from God, or maybe today you need a second chance from God. You know, I mean, like, hey, maybe you're here today and, like, you would like one. Well, God is a... It's a beautiful thing. The Lord is a gracious and loving God. His mercies are for everlasting and to everlasting. They renew daily. So I don't know if this is proper grammar, but you can get a second chance every day. Like his mercies are renewed every single day. There are no, there are no times when you are with the Lord where it's the end and there are no other options. Like he always can pull you out of, redeem, restore, and help turn things around. Always. If we turn to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse of all unrighteousness. That's what the scriptures say. I mean, his loss, he, he, he put it down in the Bible. I mean, he knows how we are. He's willing to give second chances. And I'm just asking, are we willing to give others second chances too? The last thing I want to say about this, we're trying to look at people's hearts. We're trying to say, man, look, can we just believe in somebody a little bit? Are we willing to give other people a second chance like we've been given a second chance? And, and this is the last thing I want to share with you today is this. Man, can we help people, can we help other people see some things? Sometimes, you know, guys, like my friend I was talking about earlier, we don't really see what God's doing when we're in pain. And I'm not saying that God causes things that we go through either. Um, I... There are some cases when you read the Bible, I know there's some things you see, like with Joseph. You've got to understand some certain things are different. You, Joseph, thrown into the pit, sold into slavery, and all that kind of stuff. You have to understand, though, God's plan for him was to redeem the whole part of that world through a feeding program. God loved people enough, he set Joseph there to help feed the world at that known time, okay? If Joseph hadn't gone through the things he went through, he would not have had the the background, the education, the ability, or the humility to do what God wanted him to do. He was a very prideful young man. But that doesn't mean that every one of us in here, you're a Joseph because you went through and had a problem, that it's the same category. We're talking the prime minister of Egypt, if you will. It's a pretty big deal. It doesn't mean you're not a big deal. It just means don't look at every little thing and think, well, God must be doing this. It doesn't mean God's doing something to teach you something or to set you up for something. 
Because a lot of things that come at us is from the enemy. He doesn't like you, so therefore he wants to try and stop you. And that's a fact. Some things are just our own choices. I mean, I can't blame God for my speeding tickets. You know, Lord, why don't you tell me there's a police officer? Well, there's a speed limit sign. He'll need to tell you about a police officer. You know. And then there are some things we could talk about. And it's like going down the rabbit hole further and further. But just understand, not everything that happens to us is God setting you up. But when things do happen, God does have the ability to turn it around or change it or do something with it if we're willing to give it to him. So life can be painful. It can be unfair. I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians 11, if you want to turn there. And sometimes in painful situations, and I'm going to wrap up with this thought, sometimes in painful situations, it may seem like God is not there. And listen, I'm going to tell you, I hadn't always been a pastor. And maybe that's, you know, someone's telling me the best compliment I ever had was they, they, my kids do some Taekwondo stuff. And one of the individuals, one of the parents there, they found out finally that I was a pastor. It took like, you know, three, four months. Because I don't go blasting around. I'm a pastor. Like, I don't, I don't like for people to know because you know what? As soon as you, like, as soon as they know, the relationship changes. Because if they've dropped the F-bomb or this bomb or that bomb, and they've been telling you all this stuff, you're just like, yeah, yeah, just talking to them. I'm trying to build a relationship with them. The moment they find out, they're like, oh, I said that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, they're sitting like further down the room from you. It's like when I fly on an airplane, it's, I, I try my best to tell people, hey, so what do you do? I'm a, I help people. What do you help people with? You know, it's kind of like a life coach thing. Like, you know, I try to help people with some stuff. Really? Like, so you're a life coach? Well, not really, but kind of. I'm like in a nonprofit. I try to just, I try to keep it on them because I'm trying to, because as soon as they find out, I said, well, yeah, yeah, I pastor at a church. Oh, and they didn't have like three vodkas. They're trying to, like, I'm like, dude, man, it's okay. Like, you're not, see, because you were fine before. Why do you have to be different now? I'm not, you don't have to worry about me. I'm just trying to, because my, my goal is, if I can develop a relationship, then I'm praying that I can talk to them about Jesus. And I don't want them to think I'm some religious fuddy-dud, that I can't have a normal conversation. I work construction. Yeah, I've heard about, you ain't going to surprise me much. So this person said the other day, they said, I would have never known that you're a pastor. I said, thank you. That might be one of the best compliments I've ever had. Because I, I don't, it, it affects the ability to talk to people about Jesus. But I hadn't always been a pastor. And so when I tell you this, when you go through difficulties, and it seems like God's not there, it, gets, it can get kind of hard. If he's quiet and you don't hear him, it's tough. I didn't say he's not faithful. I didn't say he's not true. I said it gets tough on us. So listen to this, um, what Paul says about this difficult circumstances, okay? 2 Corinthians 11 says this, verse 23. <clears throat> Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman here, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. I have been put in prison more often. I have been whipped times without number. I have faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. And three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And that is not recreationally. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here, y'all. That's not what he's talking about. Physically, in their culture, they hit you with rocks. It was terrible. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Now, by the way, in this whole shipwreck thing, don't have time to talk about it. But he tried to warn them about not going. Because he sensed of the Lord. said, I, I sense this, this is not something we should be going to do. But they wouldn't listen to him. He actually told them later, he said, if y'all listen to me, we wouldn't be in this mess. So if God causes problems all the time, why was he trying to warn him to avoid one? See how that can really get you in a, a downward spiral quick. So he says, once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I don't, that was interesting. Rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people. 
the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, I have danger in the deserts, and danger on the seas. And I have faced danger from men, watch this, who claim to be believers but are not. That's a little, he just kind of threw that in there. I thought, you know, that was interesting. Verse 27, I worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. So in other words, let me just say this real quick. If you want to say, well, yeah, but they say they're a Christian, but they did this. Well, just because they say. See, if you make a decision on whether or not Jesus is faithful and God is faithful on what someone else said to you or did to you, because they said they was a Christian, that don't. Which one do you want to believe in more, Jesus or a person telling you what they are? I mean, you tell me you're a duck all day long, but if you don't quack and waddle, you're not a duck. I got chickens. I know what chickens do. They eat, they poop, they sleep, they make eggs. That's about the... You're not going to confuse me. I've been around them enough. Like to tell me. This morning, early this morning, we had a chicken hawk that flew in, tried to get one of my chickens. I was feeding them. I looked like a Michelin man out there. It was so cold. I was bundled up. And all of a sudden, all the chicks, they come running like crazy. Running to the fence. I told you they're not smart. Like, just freaking out. They come flying into the coop like, I said, man, what is going on? I look around the thing, and here's a chicken hawk perched up, up on the tree branch. Saw me, and it flies off. But you're not going to fool me to say that a chicken hawk is a chicken. I know the difference. And it amazes me how sometimes as believers we think because someone says they're a Christian, we just think they are. I mean, I'm just saying, if somebody hurts you, does you wrong, betrays you over and over and over again, here's your sign. Here's your sign. They may not be one. Are you judging them? No. Just saying. A lot of people claim a lot of stuff doesn't mean they are. So, Something to think about. I believe in the Lord over what somebody else tells me. Verse 27. So he says, I've worked hard all long, hard and long <laughs> during many, many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all of the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? So man, you're talking about like, Paul wasn't exempt from feeling this way, and you're not going to be either. So what do you do with it? Well, if you have been a believer any length of time, you know you have got to see Christ in your season that you're in. You've got to find God. You've got to find where Jesus is. You've got to find what does God say in this season and not what the season is saying. Can't listen to the season. You've got to listen to Jesus. And somehow, you know, maybe in your life right now, I don't know, we're very limited in our view, so you can't see the future all the way out, but you can change your, change your perspective about right now. And I would say this, if you have a negative view of your life and its outcome, you might think, well, this is never going to change. But that's not true. Many things have changed. All throughout the Bible, you'll see people, things that changed. And maybe there's some of you in here who think, well, the only way it's going to change is if I do it. Well, you can work hard, but it won't change the fact that this, that when God steps in, what he can do is so much greater than what you can do on your own. But that's perspective. Those things that you and I have to see. And somehow we got to get in the middle where it's like, okay, not everything that bad that happens in life, well, God doesn't cause all of it. You can't live over here. And you can't live over here either. It says, well, all this good stuff in life that happened to me, you know, it's because I've been doing it. Somewhere in the middle, you got to take on the idea of this perspective to be able to see that, you know this thing over here that happened to me, I don't believe God caused it, but I thank God that he redeemed it. And this thing over here, yes, though I worked hard and did this and this, I know if it weren't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. It's somewhere in the middle. And we take one day of life at a time and move and change our perspective. And watch this, help others see differently as well. Their own perspective. I say preach at them. Just maybe help them see differently what they're going through. This is what James says, okay? James chapter 4, verse 13. This is a great, uh, great book to read. I told, uh, I was, when I was first starting out and um, serving the Lord, I heard a, a preacher say this. He said, um, if you ever get to thinking you got stuff figured out and you, 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 know, you, you know God and you're like all, yay, go read the book of James and you'll find it real quick. Um, you're not all that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So James 4.13, he says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. This is interesting. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, now he did not say, this is what people, it drives me nuts sometimes. Because it's not that we, um, you know, heard one of my uh, pastor friends, it's not that we don't, you know, can't, you know, understand theology. It's just we don't just read the Bible. It's just, this is simple. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, then we'll live and also do this or that. He didn't say you shouldn't do or get out and do stuff. Some people take this and go like, see, you know, we're just a life, just a vapor. So we just, you know, take it one day at a time. And then, you know, we're not going to do anything. Just, you know, it's not the Lord's will. We just, you know, whatever the Lord's will. And they don't do anything because they're waiting on the Lord's will. Nothing. Well, if it's the Lord's will to happen, I doubt it. I mean, he's got a will, you know what I'm saying? But he, you got some, it's, you got a part in this too, right? We have to do some stuff. He's saying, don't stand out there on your own and say, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over there and we're going to do this business and we're going to be awesome. We, we, we. He's saying what we should say is we're trusting the Lord to do this, this, and this. And we're asking God to bless it. And we're praying that God's helping us along the way and doing this and he's with us in this thing. He never said, just wait and see what the will of the Lord is. Well, we know what, he gives us enough here to know what his will is. But he does this because why? To keep us in check as a people, to keep things in the middle of life. And I had a friend one time that said this, and Bruce, you can come on up and pray for everybody here. I had a friend, so when I was doing kids ministry, um, uh, this guy helped me learn about how to structure, how to create class dynamics and you know, volunteers, how to deal with a lot of things. And he said, you know, man, uh, let me just give you a piece of advice. And this is not in the Bible, probably should have been, but it's not in the Bible, okay? But he said, things are never as bad as you think they are. Never. He said, when people say, well, everybody's saying, go count the everybody's. I tell my kids all the time, well, Dad, but, but you know what they all say? What? Who, who's they? One sees one little thing on the Internet. Well, yeah, but everybody's saying, well, who's everybody? Oh, you know, it's like they hate it when I do that. You know what I mean. No, I really don't know what you mean. Please explain to me. Who is everybody? Them. Who are them? They. Who are they? We do this too, do we not? How many times do you say this word? Well, you know what they say. I was listening the other day, and they said, who said? They. Who's they? Well, you know, it's on the news, so a news anchor said it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, one person. I ain't going to build my life on what one person said. I ain't going to make a big decision either because they said. Now, they saying it's coming some freezing temperatures this week, so... Big Daddy's going to pay attention to that. I'm going to wrap my pipes, okay? But if they are wrong, I'm better off wrapping my pipes and they're being wrong than me ignoring they on that, okay? But how many times are they wrong in the weather? I have made more plans based on what they say and they are wrong. So count all the everybody's in your life. If they're all saying this, count them up. How many we got? Three? Three? That's all. And I'm going to make a major decision because three people said it. Things aren't always as bad as you think they are. And then he said the other side to keep you humble. He said, and you're not always as good as you think you are either. So when, you know, things aren't always as bad as you think they are. But on this side, you're not always as good as you think you are either. So where is it? He said, it's somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle. And in the middle really is where God's at. If you want to know it, he's, he's not the one that's causing all the problems in your life. And if you got everything just going 100% perfect, give him glory for it. But please don't take credit for it. 
on your own. It's somewhere in the middle. When I think about this, and I think about this guy, that Louis uh, Zamperini, this is something I read about this. <clears throat> I didn't know this until I did some uh, research on this. And again, I'm not saying God put him in the sea or the prison camp. I just want you to hear the outcome of his life, okay? Because uh, God can turn anything around. Um, why did Louis not die and one of his friends did? I don't know. Why did he go to a prison camp? I don't know. Why did this all transpire? He actually, super fast runner, <clears throat> uh, and I think he actually went through one of the, uh, would have been a, probably Olympic champion. But in the end of his life, <clears throat> when they were making this movie, um, he, or before this, he got saved in a Billy Graham crusade. And it was many, many years later. But he got saved in a Billy Graham crusade. And when it came time to make this movie, do you know who it was that directed uh, or produced one of the two? The movie, it was Angelina Jolie. Now, during this time, you know, I think she's getting a lot of flack for something. I can't remember why. This is back. You know, they were saying all this stuff about her and um, this and that and the other. Well, when I read about it, it's very interesting. When, you re- when I read some of the stuff, this is what she, um, the, the individual wrote about this. She said, um, the Angelina Jolie, as the director of the film Unbroken, said that her life, watch this, was changed by meeting Louis Zamperini. Changed. Now you may say, well, what does that mean? I don't know. That's what she, that's what she said. Does that mean salvation? I don't know. I can't, I can't figure that stuff out. But here's my thought is like, it may not be salvation, but it definitely meant a seed was planted. And, and why? Because a story about this and prison camp, and all, I don't think so. I got a feeling the more time she heard him talk and the more time he talked about the Lord, I got a feeling there's something called the Holy Spirit started working on her. And see, we like to think people like that can't be redeemed. Now, I don't know what she's going to do. I don't keep up with her or anything else that they say about her. But I would just say this, that to me is very interesting. And I wonder what could happen further from that. Maybe Louis demonstrated this grace to her, to other people as well. Maybe more people came and their life was changed too because of what he did. Well, ultimately, either way, you never know what, how God can use something that's happened in our lives to help and turn around things and maybe reach other people. I didn't say he caused it. I'm just saying consider those kind of things. And here's the last thing I'll say is this. If this guy could forgive the captors for what they did to him, is it possible that we could forgive others who may have offended us? And ultimately, if we're able to do that, think about this. How much more Jesus is willing to forgive you or not? And so this morning while you're here, I just want to give you an opportunity to pray for you. And I'd ask you to close your eyes and, and bow your head just for a moment. And I would just say to you, you know, if you're here and you don't know the goodness of the Lord, and what I mean by that is maybe your life has not been changed. If you have not received Christ as your Savior. And you're here today, and maybe you just need a second chance. I don't know, maybe you're a Christian, and you're just like, Pastor Jody, I could use a second chance. It would be so nice if I could just get a do-over, start over. And it doesn't mean that the things behind you are going to fix. You may have to do like I did. You may have to take some time to fix some things, like license or whatever else is going on. It, sometimes there's consequences in this life. There's just things you've got to work through. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you or that he's not with you. He's not wanting to help you. But man, you're here and you say, I just need a second chance. I just need, I just need like to know that God loves me. He forgives me. I just need a second chance with the Lord. I feel like I could handle everything else if I just know God's with me. Well, I want to pray for you right now. If, if that's you and with your eyes closed, no one's looking around right now. If you want to pray that with me, the whole church will pray out loud. But I want you to repeat this after me uh, with the whole church. Say, dear Jesus. <clears throat> I come to you today, and I give you my life, and I give you my heart, and I give you everything. I ask you, Jesus, to give me a second chance. Lord, you see all that's going on. You see everything I'm facing. 
You see everything in my life. And I'm asking you for a second chance. I'm asking you for a do-over to be able to start again. Help me, Lord, to forgive others like you forgive me. Help me, Lord, to start again, to have a fresh start. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask you to be my Savior and to forgive me of all of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Just give me a hand. <clears throat> so proud of you. Amen. Listen, I, I just believe that. You know, Gary's going to come up and wrap up here, and I just believe strongly like that, but second chances is a big deal. Everybody wants a second chance. Everybody wants a second chance. You know, just, just give it to them. Let them do with it what they want. Yeah, I'm not saying let them hurt you, but, man, just give them the opportunity to, to go and do their thing. Just release them and let them go. And uh, give them that do-over, man, that, that, that you would love to have yourself, right? So, uh, hey, you guys welcome up Gary up here this morning. Give him a hand as he comes up. I am thankful for second chances. If you know me, you know why. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, God is good, isn't he? Our prayer partners are going to come up front now. If you need prayer after service, they'll be here for you. Uh, a couple things I want to bring to your attention before you go. One is your giving. So thankful for your consistent giving. If you guys are tithing, thank you so much for doing that because you provide the resources for the things that we do, not only in the body here, but outside our community, outside in the world. The missionaries and the other people that we support around the world, your consistent giving. Thank you for doing that. If you aren't, I encourage you to do that. Um, a prayer tonight, um, 6 o'clock. Uh, it will be 6 o'clock here at the church. Um, a couple things. I, and I, I'm a basketball referee. I just, some of you know that. Um, I had a game yesterday. We see a lot of screwy things. Things happen all the time, things that you never think are going to happen. I'm over at Woodland High School, and they're playing Adairsville. They get down. It's a back-and-forth game the whole way, and Adairsville's up by four points with about 4.6 seconds left on the clock. And Woodland's got the ball out of bounds. If you know basketball, once the ball goes to the basket, if it's less than five seconds, the other team doesn't have to take it out, so the game will be over. So they call a timeout, and I'm back standing near where the shot clock, where the guy has the scores table and is running the clock. So Woodland takes the ball in and throws it in, and I'm noticing the clock's not moving. So I'm yelling to the guy behind me, start the clock, start the clock. So the kid throws it in, they make a three-pointer, and are down by one point, and everybody's going crazy, and the clock's still not started. So what happens then? The coaches of both teams come off of the bench and start yelling at everybody. All the fans are up on their feet yelling, and there's chaos. All of a sudden, the kids are yelling at each other, about ready to start fighting, all because the guy didn't start the clock. If we would have, everything would have been smooth. We could have gone out of there. We wouldn't have to have a policeman walk us out at the end of the game. Um, all those things. The reason I say that is some things are done in order. There's got to be a process to it. If the guy would have just pushed the button and started the clock, none of this other thing would have happened. There wouldn't have been chaos. Sometimes we have chaos and problems in our life because we don't push the start button. God is waiting for us to say, I need this. One of my wife's favorite verses is in 1 John uh, chapter 5, 14 and 15. It says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. But if you notice, the order of that is we have to ask first. That's the way it is. A lot of times God is just waiting to answer you to give you what you need and what you need in your life, but he's waiting for you to ask. Tonight's a perfect opportunity to come at 6 o'clock and ask for those things that you want God to do in your life, and again, not just in your own life, but in the community and the church. So I encourage you with that story to make sure that you push the button sometimes to get the process started, okay? Um, Mind you again about the marriage event that's coming up. Make sure you guys sign up for that, a married couple. Um, it's a great deal. $55 includes childcare and everything else, so do that. If you want to stand, we're going to send you out with the Lord's blessing like we always do each week. Out of Numbers, chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. God bless you. We'll see you here tonight at 6 o'clock. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.